March 12th is the annual Day of Confessions this year. And the Day of Confessions is always intended to be a day to invite people back to the sacrament of confession who've been away for more than a year, to avail them to this gift of God's mercy. Because we know that there are many who don't see the merit or who are afraid to come to the sacrament of confession. Now, we've noticed that over the last couple years, it's been a lot of people that have a practice of coming to confession and not so much those who are away. And so this year, our target audience, if you will, are those who come to Mass regularly, but who haven't been to confession in over a year. Because we sit in the confessional, we know who comes and who doesn't. <laughs> and the Church teaches that we should come to confession at least once a year. And so one of the things that we're doing this year is this Sunday, this weekend, marks four weeks until the Day of Confessions. And so we are going to preach four weeks in a row, revolving around confession and everything that is in there, for all of us to reflect more profoundly on why we need it. This week is vice and virtue. Next week will be on the gift of God's mercy. Then we will reflect on how do we actually examine our conscience before going to confession. And then finally, what are the ways that Satan tries to keep us from availing us ourselves to that sacrament? To facilitate that, I will be here for the next month so that I can build one week to the next. Now I'm going to ruin that by going on holidays next week, so you'll have Father Adam Leck coming here. But the idea is that we together as a parish community reflect on our need for God's mercy and the nature of sin in our life. So this evening, vice and virtue. Generally, we've lost a sense of sin in our life. There was a time in the church where it was all hellfire and judgment and almost everything was a sin. And then we swung the pendulum almost in the complete opposite direction where we started to lose a sense of what was a sin and what wasn't. Because virtue in our life isn't just to do no harm. That's a very minimalist understanding of what it means to live a good life. And there are many religions throughout the world that preach that same approach to the moral life. There's nothing unique about that idea that we shouldn't do any harm. So what are we called to live? What does Christian virtue look like in our life? What are we striving for? Because there are times where people come to me, to priests, and say, Father, I don't really have anything to confess. I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't do harm, so what do I confess? I can tell you one thing that I rarely hear in the confessional are sins directly against God. That I don't pray like I should. That I don't love God like I should because I love other things instead. So vice and sin in our life, trying to root that out isn't just saying no to what is harmful, but it's also saying yes to what is good. Every time in our life that we face temptation, we should be saying no to sin, 
but also yes to the good. It's always two parts. It's always both together. Because if we just start reflecting, if we just start trying to avoid doing wrong, then we don't actually strive to do good. And then what happens, mixed in with that, is that we get caught up in comparisons. And so the goodness of my life is in direct comparison with the people around me. So as long as I'm doing more good in my life than my neighbor, then I'm a good person. Again, a minimalist understanding of what it means to be good. And as Christians, we're never minimalists in anything. We're all in. So that temptation towards comparing ourselves to others to know what is right or what is wrong in our life is not what God is calling us to live. He's calling us to a much deeper and more profound way of living human existence. So how do we strive for that? Well, both in our first reading and in the psalm, there's an image given of what the righteous man, what the righteous person is. It's a tree planted beside water. Because the tree that is planted beside water is connected to the source of what gives it life. That the righteous person is the one who's connected to what gives them life. Virtue is not something that we achieve only on our own. And here's something neat that I discovered just today. Trees actually grow faster the older that they get. They don't necessarily keep getting taller, but when you look at the growth of a tree, the rate of growth actually increases as it gets older. I think that's a beautiful image to reflect on a life of virtue. That as we grow in wisdom and in years, the idea would be that we grow faster in virtue because we see the need for it in our life. That we should be like a tree planted by water, recognizing that virtue is something that comes from a life with God. So when we hear the gospel today, which is Luke's version of the Beatitudes, so in Gospel of Matthew, Jesus climbs up the mountain and preaches, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes down on the plain and said, blessed are those who are poor. Now, it might sound odd, because after the blessings, Luke talks about the woes. Woe to you. And he says, woe to you that are rich, that laugh, that are full, and for people who speak well of you. So does that mean that we're never allowed to be rich, we're never allowed to be, have our stomachs full, we're never allowed to laugh, and we're never allowed to have anybody say anything good about us? Obviously not. But what is he pointing to? Blessed are those who are poor, because more is coming. What he's pointing to is that if we can recognize now that we don't have everything that we need, we can see that we find everything in heaven. If we see that we have everything that we need now, I have all the riches that I need, I have all the joy and laughter that I need, I am completely satisfied, where's the room for God? 
Where's the room for God in our life? And so then we never see any need to grow beyond where we're at. We become satisfied with where we are. And the moment that we become satisfied with where we are, we no longer examine our life and see where we can grow. Now the temptation I think that comes in sometimes is when we examine the parts of our life that are sinful, we see it as a condemnation. That we're being judged because of everything that we've done wrong. But when a coach tells you that you need to practice more and improve, you don't see that as a judgment. Connor McDavid is the best hockey player on the planet. He doesn't stop practicing because he's the best. Because there's no such thing as a perfect hockey player. There's no such thing as a perfect human being. Virtue isn't something that we achieve. Virtue is something that we live. It's the tree. The tree never stops growing and actually grows faster over time. If we start to look at virtue as something that that's the point when it's enough, then we look for that comparison. What is enough? And then we start to settle. Because virtue finds its perfection in God and in God alone. None of us are God, I don't think. And so there is always room to grow in virtue. And so if that's the case, then are we willing to let God's grace, the water source for the tree, show us what we still have room to grow in? Show us where the vice is pulling us away from him and where the virtue can lead us closer to him. Because vice and sin is not just something to be avoided. It's something to turn away from completely. And virtue is not just something that we achieve. Virtue is something that we live in Christ Jesus.